Testing, one, two, three, testing. Hello? Is anyone out there? Is anyone out there? I'm looking for anyone. Anyone? Please, anyone, respond. Help needed. Can anybody hear me? Help needed. If you can hear, please respond. Please respond. Welcome to HeroClix Borderlands. I'm your host, Shay McClure, bringing you the meta-casual perspective on HeroClix. Sharing my insights, thoughts, and experiences with other players who love this awesome game at all levels just like I do. Whether you are playing a casual home game, local tournament, or at a regional or national event, taking on the latest meta team, this is the podcast for you. All comments, suggestions, or questions can be directed to our email at lostinclicks at gmail.com. That is L-O-S-T-I-N-C-L-I-X at gmail.com. Also, private message me on acrealms.com under the idea of Colossus 10. Or go to our Facebook page of HeroClix Borderlands where you can message me or just read the latest articles and videos I have run across about this wonderful game. This is a supersized episode of HeroClix Borderlands, an episode so packed and so big that we had to actually break it into two episodes, episode 12 and episode 13. Episode 12 is Judge Dread or Dread. Yes, we'll be going over the new rule changes. I'll be sitting down with my friend Matt, a local judge and player in Asheville, get his opinions, my thoughts, and we'll kind of go through them. Articles 1 through 10. In order to get through all of that, that's going to take two episodes. Buckle up and enjoy this first episode of two of Judge Dread or Dread, a supersized episode. I'd like to welcome Matt to our uh, HeroClix Borderlands podcast. He is currently a player and judge in Asheville, North Carolina. Take this moment just to kind of get to know him. How are you doing today, Matt? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? Ah, pretty good. You know, it's fun anytime I get to do a podcast, and it's great to have somebody else on here. You're my yeah. first. Yeah, you're my first guest, so we'll see how this goes. Cool. All right, so we're going to go through some uh, get-to-know-you questions. Where are you originally from? I have grown up and was born in Western North Carolina, Asheville, pretty much my entire life. So I've only known this place and nothing but this place. <laughs> How long have you been playing and judging HeroClix? Well, uh, I, I was playing Pokemon TCG for the longest. And then around 2009, like right when NECA bought the game after, I guess, Tops sold it or whatever, um, that's when I started jumping on board and 
collecting some actual pieces and stuff like that. But I scouted the game a little bit. I watched it a little bit before that just to see like how the games win and all that kind of stuff. When did you pick up judging? I know you came in at 2009. When did you actually jump into the judging pool? Let's see. Now, I wasn't prepared for this question. I'm going to have to think a second. Let's see. 2009, I was playing at a store called Hillside Games. Okay. And we had a nice little place back there. And, oh, man, I think at some point we wanted to branch out or something. And we tried at a comic book store that was, like, right near that place. And it kind of worked out, but kind of didn't. Well, I will say this, that our past venue, we used to play at another comic book store, and we played there for six years. For most of that, I would say I was kind of a tournament organizer slash judge. I would say just go back six years, and that's probably a a better estimate. Okay, and that's where I met you at. That's when I started started getting back into HeroClix. You all were the only venue around. Yeah, and and I remember you tournament organizing. Yeah, I used to be a judge back when Legacy and Ultimates and all that. Back when you had to take a test. Yeah, <laughs> you had to take a test, and then you did all the organizing. So, judging has changed a little bit. I think it's a not. There's not really an official judge system anymore. You know, it's more about just you know who knows the rulings well enough and who can be around to be able to help people kind of like the tournament organizer thing it's kind of concatenated into it where like you're not you're not just like the standalone judge a lot of people are judges and tournament organizers and they handle the WizKids event system and all all into one position now i, I think it, it has evolved in a way okay so you know we're gonna move on to this next question what was the first set you bought slash collected and what was your first figure well, uh, when I first started collecting Hero Clicks, I really only wanted to collect the DC pieces. I went back and I bought a little bit of every DC property they had in the carded era, like when uh, pieces had cards to them. The first product I bought was the Legion of Superheroes starter kit. I guess the first piece I got out of it was Cosmic Boy, and I played the heck out of that piece. You know, telekinesis and willpower. <laughs> pretty cheap i just played him week after week after week so that was pretty cool oh yeah did, with that wild card and all that oh he, yeah wild card <laughs> yeah that was that was a fun piece that was a fun set because that's the only one that's the one that had the Superboy in it was that right is that am i thinking yeah. right the hundred point Superboy uh-huh had saturn girl love that uh-huh. mind control with a three lightning bolts or something like that oh yeah that was a fun fun pack what is your favorite power and why? Okay, so this question took me a little while to think about because there's so many different powers. But if I had to choose a favorite power, a power that makes me shout out loud every time it's in play, it has to be Blades, Claws, Fangs. And it's just because I'm in horror when it's used against me <laughs> and I'm in joy when I'm using it against the opponent and my like 50 point piece rolls a six and just decimates their 150 point piece. You know, it's the best feeling in the world. I can't think of any other power that makes me feel like that. Oh, I, I agree. A BCF is a fun power. I'm going to ahead and tell you, I hate that power. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I hate when I roll it, it's never good. If a figure has three damage, I'm never going to roll BCF. I'm going to go, yeah. oh, forget it. I'll just keep the three damage. 
it, you know, everybody has their own. I always loved Psychic Blast. Okay, and I've typed this question up, and I said, what type of figure do you like to place? I mean, really, when, when you look at a figure, like you look at a set, I mean, what, what figures were you drawn to? What style of play are you kind of drawn to? Well, I definitely think I like cheaper pieces. There was a while before the tiny size came into the game where if a piece was like 40 points or less, I really wanted it because I wanted to have more options on my teams and have more different pieces on my team. Instead of just having like a 200-point beat stick and like two other support pieces, I wanted like five or six pieces on my team. So I definitely like this, the cheaper pieces and... Part of the reason why I like to play a lot of animal-themed teams because you get like a 50-point animal here, a 50-point animal here, a 30-point animal here, you know, and you can really just like surprise your opponent with how many actions. You can just keep going, going, and going. I mean, there's definitely a downside where they get one shot left and right, but I mean, I, I still like the cheap pieces that, you know, can do their job and you don't have to expect too much from them. And if they get KO'd, whatever, you still got plenty of a team left. So you like the uh, Swiss Army knife type approach? A lot of pieces that can just kind of fit different roles? Yeah, definitely. Like, I love my 25-point Lockjaw, who can carry two characters if they share a keyword with them, or carry one regardless of their combat symbols if they share a keyword with them. Pieces like that are so cheap. One of my favorite new pieces is the 10-point Thug. I just love that piece. (laughs) I don't even care if it has no powers or anything, but whenever I'm making a theme team, a name theme team, I can throw that 10-point thug on there, and he's he's worked out pretty good for me. So it's just those cheap pieces, and now they're making more and more and more of them. So that's pretty cool. Thug, I mean, he's, what is he, five clicks deep? He's tough to kill. He's not not an easy one shot. Yeah, definitely. A friend of mine up in Indiana, Mark, he comes down every so often. He played against Koi Boy, and he said he was annoying. <laughs> and, you know, for 10 points, that is crazy to have a figure that annoying. To waste an action to get rid of something like that, it kind of works out for you when you're playing. Yeah, definitely. You know, question number six, where's the strangest place you have ever played Heroclix? Well, I mean, I wish I had a really cool story, but... <laughs> I've always just played hero clicks in comic book stores or hobby stores. I mean, I think the the weirdest place within a hobby store I've played hero clicks was when we were when we used to play hero clicks at a comic book store. It was a very small comic book store, and they didn't have any tables for us to sit down at. So we had to take like the, that cardboard part of a poster frame, you know, that's on the back <laughs> of a poster frame, and oh, yeah. put it on top of all the comic book boxes. And then put a map on top of that and play. And then, you know, if someone wanted to go through the comics, we'd always have to move it a little bit. It didn't last too long, but, you know, for a while we were playing on top of comic book boxes. That's probably the the strangest place or strangest location I've ever played Heroclix. Okay, as a judge and as a player, what's the biggest mistake you've seen players make in tournaments? I I think the biggest mistake players make in tournaments is assuming they know the rules correctly. I, I feel like this game has too many complicated situations and it is way too easy to mix up rulings or remember old rulings or just have no idea what whatever the ruling is. And that's where asking the judge is vital. And even then it's important, you know, for judges, you know, talking to the judges that are listening to this, don't be shy to say, mm, I'm not 100% sure of my rule, and I'm going to confer with another judge. 
Uh, I know when I was judging for Pokemon, there was times where I just felt like I'm not 100% sure, but I don't want to be like, I don't want to like look weak or anything by asking another judge. But when you're a judge, the most important thing is given the right ruling because nobody wants to lose a game because the wrong ruling was implemented. That will leave a lasting effect in both the players' minds. Always call a judge if you have any uh, any thinking that you may not know the rule in. And judges, don't be afraid to confer with other judges. You know, it takes a few seconds, and you can get the rule in right. I love listening to other podcasts, but what Heroclix related podcast slash YouTube, because that's becoming big now, are you listening to or watching? The YouTube thing is, you know, definitely growing. I think, you know, I may not be in a situation to listen to a lot of podcasts. I think a lot of people, you know, listen to podcasts while they're driving their car and stuff. And I don't really get out driving that much. I end up watching more on YouTube than I would podcasts. There is more and more good content coming up on YouTube. You know, some of my favorites is definitely the Alpha Strike, uh, T3 Gaming, and the Tabletop Teacher. You know, each of them produce really high-quality videos that I, I, I would definitely recommend to any kind of Hero Clicks player. Uh, those are, would definitely be some of my favorite ones right now. Oh, yeah, and I just got turned on to T3 and Alpha Strike, and they have been excellent. I really like T3's games they put out there, the yeah. matches they put out yeah. there, and, and I love those. They do a good job with it. Yeah, definitely for someone who doesn't have all the meta pieces, to see how the meta pieces work in games that T3 Gaming does, it really helps me kind of better understand you know, why they're popular and how to combat them if I ever do run into them. I agree. Right before I ran into you down at the WKO, I watched two or three videos of meta teams so I would have a strategy with my team on how to handle it because I I didn't have a chance to practice against it. I need to figure out how they work so I can take them apart with my team. What do you enjoy playing or doing besides Mm -hmm. Heroclix? So outside of Heroclix, what do you like doing? Well, you know, like I said earlier, you know, I've been into Pokemon since 1998. I remember I was sick at home or playing sick at least, you know, <laughs> and I turned on the TV and there was the first episode of Pokemon. And I've, I've been following it from the very beginning. I got into the TCG at the very beginning. And uh, I've I loved the trading card game for a long time. I, I don't really have as much money or time to play it anymore but i still follow it a lot on twitch when they do championship events and you know whenever a new set's coming out and stuff like that so i I still really like the pokemon trading card game and then you know any free time i have is usually for games on the computer or i really like my nintendo 3ds i have all the pokemon video games and on the computer i really like massively multiplayer uh, online rpg games oh wow I like to spend a lot of time working towards these goals, and then I can show them off to everybody on the Internet. If we looked on your computer, what would be the one that you're kind of really spending some time on? I've been playing for a long time Guild Wars 2, and wow. it's a very casual MMO where you know a lot of them will have you just grinding for... Okay, you have tier... Five armor, but not can you get tier six armor? And there's about forty tiers. Well, <laughs> it works too. It's more about you know choosing how you want to play the game. Like I like to work towards the achievements, which is little things like complete this puzzle, complete that puzzle, complete that map. You know, doing stuff like that. There's always stuff that 
work on in that game. It's just kind of different than the, the ordinary MMO, and I kind of like that about it. So, so let's get into what is your favorite type of tournament? Okay. Sometimes I like sealed, you know, and sometimes I like certain scenarios. I think where I, I really feel relaxed is where when it's constructed with funny themes, like 300 points only commons or 300 points only pieces that are red, white, and blue. Funny themes that really make you think outside the box and get you away from the same power pieces that you're seeing left and right week after week. It's that kind of themes that I really like to uh, come up with when I was a tournament organizer. You know, I've all, I'd always try to come up with these funny themes and try to get people to think outside the box and not just let people bring super rares and chases every week and just smash people. I think other than that, the only time I've, I've really enjoyed myself even more than that you know, I have to say is that WizKids opens and doing some battle royales with just some friends. When it's by myself, then I'm like, oh man, I spent this money on a booster. I'm probably not gonna. I'm gonna probably gonna lose, and it's, it's. I'm not gonna get my money back. But when it's just four friends sitting there, and you're like, well, whatever. I mean, it's going to someone I know. It's just so relaxing, and I can just like charge my character right into the middle of battle and be like whatever let's do see what happens you know and when when you were friends you're like okay you know i need i know you want that rare piece so i'm not going to take that you know i know you want those bystander tokens because they're kind of cool looking so i'll let you keep those and it's it's just a really nice experience and i was able to do that this past WizKids open with some friends uh just me and three friends were able to sit there for about three or four different rounds in a row just playing and playing and playing and i think everybody walked away with some cool stuff really really fun what is your favorite comic book character you wished had a better hero clicks Oh, dang. That wasn't on the question list. I sent um, you another one. I sent you an updated one. Oh, I said I had okay. two three. Okay, well, some, some of these maybe. <laughs> I mean, okay, so a comic book character that I wish had a better click? Yeah, yeah, yes. Um, Could it be a character that I just wish had another one? Not, not, not even a better one, just another one? Yes. I want another Jubilee because I never got the Jubilee from Wolverine and the X-Man. And it was on this super booster or no, it was for the super booster team base and people wanted way too much for it. And now the set's like five years old and they still want like 30 bucks for it. And I'm like, it's a 55 point piece. Come on people. She's not even that good. I just want her because the only other Jubilee I have doesn't even have a card with it. So please just give me a Jubilee. It can be a common. It can have a horrible doll. Just give me a freaking Jubilee. Well, there you go. Matt's big wish is a Jubilee. What is your favorite Heroclix set? Like of all the ones you've ever bought. I got you. War of Light. That was, dude, you should have seen me when they announced War of Light at like the Alliance show or whatever it was. Dude, like my friend, he called me up and he said, you're going to love this. And I was like, I know. I saw it. Like I made a video on YouTube. It got like copyright restricted and everything. I I took all these Queen songs like Can't Stop Me Now, like We Are the Champion, all this kind of stuff. And I put it with the photos of it because I was like, Warlight is my set. I can't believe it. We're getting red lanterns, orange lanterns, and yellow lanterns, and blue lanterns. I'm like, woo. I mean, Warlight. But, I mean, it... It's sad, though, because it will probably never get another set that will have all those lanterns in it. 
But I still look back, and it's definitely my favorite set they've ever made. And regardless of what they can do to the game, I'm always going to kind of give them a little bit of appreciation because they made the War of Light sets. I, I missed out on that whole War of Light kind of mm-hmm. series, so I missed out. I, I did buy some, like about when the case came down, I bought a case. and It's pretty cool. I like seeing all those lanterns. We, I don't, As you said, I, actually, we've not seen that many lanterns since then, have we? We found like a white lantern monthly organized play prize kit and maybe like a green lantern here and a green lantern there. Then they give do this stupid thing where they're like, oh, let's see, let's take a rare prime or a super rare prime and make it a lantern. So they did like red lantern, Supergirl, and night lantern and stuff like that. That's, oh, how, yeah. it was, that's how it was before Warlight. That's why I was so excited to just have a full set of lanterns because even if there was chase ones that I never got, there would still be the rest of them I could still get. And you don't see that lantern team ability really anymore. I think the last one was, was it Trinity War that had a green lantern with a green lantern team ability? It might be. I think, you know, it's probably smart not to do that because pretty much all of them are flyers, so they can't carry each other. So it's not like a Green Lantern-themed team. You can have one person carry the whole group up. So I think taking it out and not using it is pretty smart. So last question I have in this opening section. Okay, cool. Favorite all-time comic book? Well, I didn't collect too many comic books, but I I did collect, when I was younger, uh, Green Lantern comic books. The one that kind of just jumps out to me, that I just when you said favorite comic book, it popped up was there was this glow-in-the-dark Green Lantern comic book. I don't even remember what issue it was, but it was the first issue Kyle Rayner was a Green Lantern. It, it was right after Parallax, Hal Jordan, gone insane, gone to Oa, killed all the Guardians, jumped into the battery, blew it up, came out as Parallax, and Ganthet takes the dust of whatever's left of the, the rings from the dead lanterns, the Hal Jordan kit, and he just smushes it together into one ring he flies down to earth and is and is like his last wit his last action he sees this drunk dude in the street <laughs> and he's just like here you know you are the new hope i really liked kyle rayner he was an artist which was kind of what i was going to school for and you know new age new generation of green lantern and but yeah that that the, the first it i think it was the issue at the very end was when Kyle Rayner got the ring, but it was the issue where Hal Jordan became Parallax, and on the cover is Hal Jordan kind of flying in front of the battery, and like his suit or something has like the glow in a dark material on it. So if you know you turn off the light and stuff, you could see his suit. And right. I still have the comic book, and uh, that's probably my favorite comic book. So I know I always love the uh, Todd McFarlane series and stuff. Oh yeah. yeah. And that, I'm a big Spider-Man fan, so when he took over Spider-Man, it was pretty cool with that artwork and all that. Okay, so like right now we're going to move into our main topic, which is, as I labeled it, I am the law. WizKids is bringing out some new rules, some new law. They're oh, laying yeah. down the law. Before we get into the rules, let's talk about rotation right quick. Yeah, rotation is getting ready to happen. They changed it back to the way they did it last year, which is June 1st. We're going to have everything from Age of Ultron and before, no longer modern legal. Now, I know you're not a big meta player, but I know you kind of keep up and you have some really good, you have some really good meta players that play in your venues, Marshall and Eric. So uh, 
What do you think about the rotation of up to Age of Ultron? You think it was a good move doing it in June first? Do you think it's it's going to change a lot of stuff? I think it's interesting that they rotated out some of the Marvel ID cards, but not the ones from the Nick Fury set because that set's still around. And it really, you know, it's interesting. None of the DC ID cards, I think, were rotated out. I really feel like that's kind of weird. Like, how do you, like, half rotate out a mechanic, you know? And you, you leave some of the, you know, the the most potent ones around, which is, like, the shield level 7 that can bring out Nick Fury and stuff. Like, I, I don't understand. Like, you either do it all the way or you don't do it at all. Um, to me, that's kind of kind of wondering why they do that. I don't know. I mean, it seems cool. I mean, we're going to lose some, thankfully, some pieces. I'm happy to see gone is the Justin Safford because exactly. it, it just made Krang way too dumb. Thankfully, you know, we're f- losing the Age of Ultron, Ultron drones, which I felt were just way too abused with the ID card mechanic. And I don't understand why WizKids never try to watch list any of that stuff. You know, like around War of Light, I think they were still watch listing stuff. But at a certain point, they just stopped watch listing stuff. And they would come. I think the last time they came back, they said, uh, nothing looks like it needs to be watch listed. And that was their last update on that. And I just feel like, you know, the rotation will definitely help some, make some more things more possible. But if they don't stay on top of their watch list, you know, and start watch listing important threats like that ha 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 joker or something. What the? Whoa, man. That was my cat. He tried to jump on top of my computer and fell. Wow, but, that's a funny cat video. <laughs> <laughs> but if they don't stay on top of their watch list, it, it, it's not going to matter if they rotate out certain things because they're just making more and more abusable stuff in, in its place. You know, I'm sad to see some of the stuff go. I've always felt like Hero Clicks may not be the best. It's easier to rotate out by set, but I, I almost feel like it almost would be better as like a like a Yu-Gi-Oh system, where you just ban the more prominent pieces that were really toxic, okay. you know, and leave the rest of the set around. Um, because there's definitely some pieces, you know, I, I would love to see stick around some, and uh, we're just gonna lose them with the rest of this stuff. I, I think honestly, I would have just let. Nick Fury, Agent of the Shield, also rotate out with it. And then if they wanted to do ID cards, just stick with the DC ones only. With the ID cards, they didn't really plan it out very well because they had the Marvel ones, and then they didn't put any in the Superman Wonder Woman set, and then they put them all in World's Finest. And so it's like they can't even, like, well, we'll take Superman Wonder Woman too. They have to go all the way up to World's Finest if they want to eliminate that mechanic. But yeah, I think it's going to be healthy. I think we will we will see the ID cards rotate out next year. I don't. I think World's Finals will be gone, and yeah, it, yeah. because I know they were at Origins last year when I was there, the World's mm-hmm. Finest set, and they were legal. I think that will kind of rotate out. And you know, like when I was preparing for the uh, WKO, I actually had an Avengers roundtable. But mm-hmm. thinking ahead to Worlds, I went, I had to go ahead and go get a J- Justice League teleporter because I knew that was actually going to be the resource I could use at, at the Worlds because the rotation I had to figure would be going out in June. And then oh, the I car. I mean, but I agree with you. Ultron drones I thought were key. Maybe WizKids thought that 
Nick Fury is going to be a little bit less of a call-in threat since now an actual 120-point piece yeah, works call a man. Definitely. You know, as the abuse that the Ultron drones were doing, this that Nick Fury call-in. That was crazy. And the, and the uh, Avengers Quinjet, just ridiculous tank right there, the ability to just uh, absorb so much damage. So Yeah, definitely. Is there a figure you thought they should rotate it out and they didn't? And it's going to cause some little problems in the, in the metagame? I don't know. I, I'm not really sure. I, I I guess the only thing I would say on that is I, I wish they would have just rotated out all the ID cards instead of just half of them, you know? No, yeah. I was thinking Faust. Man, I hate that thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I think the whole thing with the... I think they need to figure something out about the WizKids pieces because, you know, they seem to stick around for a bit longer, and that can be kind of bad if they come out with something like Faust. Yeah, I mean, like Eric ran ran at a WKO, man. He ran that mystical team with Doctor Strange and Faust. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was sitting there going, oh, my goodness, two chances to roll that yellow where you can just sit there and do all that damage and the ability to send you back to your starting area. I I thought, if anything, Faust, and to keep them around, they need a little errata where, you know, those were power actions to kind of limit how much damage that does. But he shows up on a lot of winning teams at times. And then he yeah. disappears. I don't understand sometimes some figures, they'll, they'll show up and then they just quit for a while and then they show back up. It's like people get tired of them or something. I don't know. I think there's a lot of, I mean, I think there's a, in, in the trading card game, they have a term called net decking where basically people say, I'm just going to take the team of something that's winning and you play it, you know? And I, I honestly think like Hero Clicks, the meta is much more wide than it looks, but so many people see what's winning and they're just like, okay, I'm going to play that. Or, you know, they may see, okay, I'm going to take the top five teams and play against them and stuff. But I think there's a lot more options out there. Uh, I think, you know, some of the best players in this game, they actually seem to try out more options, you know, because they're like, yeah, I've already got my invite, so I'm going to just try something different this weekend, you know, and that's where you, you get these interesting thing you know they just show up out of nowhere hey, no i agree with you i i think the meta is limited because there's a lot of players out there that want to play the sure thing and yeah, I, yeah. I i have noticed like the eastern brocks the pat yaboko uh, kevin afruz those guys always bring something a little bit different i mean yeah, you, yeah. you know they're known as masters of certain things but then they bring different teams and they win with them and yeah. I, I think a lot of times like that's when I put my team together for WKO, I sat down. People didn't know how to handle it because it had a lot of moving parts to it, but I was used to them. Mm-hmm. And it was just something different. Now, if I sit across from a crane team, I understand what it's going to do. It, you know, can I handle it or not? But it, you, yeah. under, you understand the strategy because everybody's using it. Everybody understands Jakeem Thunder right now. You see it used yeah. all the time. I, I, I agree. I think, I think the med is wider. I think there's a lot more pieces viable in it. It's just that they're not the sure things, and people are – they just want that sure thing. They know it's winning. They just want to go out there. They don't want to think. They'd rather buy – I guess what you're saying, net decking. This is working. Yeah. Well, I don't want to mess with it. But I think surprise can really help you out. But Definitely. Like, I'm looking at this uh, rock results from Decatur, Georgia that happened, I guess, this past weekend. And, like, third place is, like, the Armagon Super Rare. Oh yeah, Turtle Two, a TMNT Two with Doctor Octopus and Ant Man. I'm just like that's like totally out of left field. 
You know, like who would who would have thought about something like that? But it did really well. Who knows? It could have a lot of potential, you know? I think one of the players in that, the guy who won, I think he was at KC South Carolina. He was, yeah. yeah. But I, I thought I remembered him, and I think he finished fifth. I think he finished mm-hmm. right ahead of me, right underneath uh, Marshall. I agree with you. I, I, I love that piece. I looked at that shark piece, and I said, man, you can make this work. I, I just mm-hmm. I don't have the pieces to make it work. It needs some special pieces. and I have not collected that TMNT set as much as I have everything else. And there's some really good pieces in that. Those three sets have come out. All well, right. and I think it took the Shredder stuff for people to start looking at it again and be like, okay, well, maybe some of these pieces are pretty decent. I went out, I'm, I'm going to tell you, immediately when that was the latest set came out, the yeah. first thing I did, since I wasn't buying it, is I went out and bought a super rare Leonardo. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. I think... With this next rotation, when this stuff goes out, the ID cards go out, this this equipping, he is yep. going to be nasty being able to take equipment away from you. And mm-hmm. I, So I think he will. I, I believe that would work with possession too. I think he can take a possessor because aren't they equipped now? Like a, They are equipped, yes. So I guess you would roll off for them at the beginning of the game. And if you win that roll off, then they lose like Eclipse up or they lose Proteus. That's a huge hit to some teams. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. And I I think, you know, just kind of foreshadowing our venture into the new rules, I think, you know, with the way the new rules are coming out, it's going to become even more important that characters have extra powers at their disposal, whether through a possession or through an equip or something, because uh, it's just going to make them even more potent, I think. Some of the combinations may be even more potent now. Because yeah. of the changes. So even you can look past the rules in the Thor set with all the weapons they're going to have in there. And I think that's going to add a lot of different powers that you can pick up and you can leave behind on the battlefield like Sugar Man. I think, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's going to be something out there you're going to have to kind of watch out for. And the, and the Leonardo piece I thought was a, a thing saying that researchers now moving to equip and we're giving mm-hmm. you a piece that can attack an equipped item. So I thought that's pretty big. And I think Firestorm can too, can he? Can he take? He can take stuff away from you too. If I'm remembering yeah, correctly, there's a few pieces. I think there's like a black cat that can do something like that, and I think the new Earth X Captain America con exclusive can do something like that too. Oh no, that Earth X is broken. Earth X at sixty points is going to be this piece. It's going to be annoying, especially once Thor gets out, because his ability to take equipment and store it, yeah, and use yeah. it when he wants to, is a lot yeah. different than Leo. Leo's just destroying it. He's like. Oh, uh, give me that. I'm going to put it in my bag. I can equip it when I want to. All right. That is going to be a huge game breaker because it just makes it more powerful. Anyway, we need to get to the rules. Okay. Kind of go through that. I don't want to go through the zero one where they went over their goals. We understand their goals. So let's just jump into Article 1. And let me pull it up here. Article 1 is the new rules language. Okay. Yeah. Simplifying the rules language, changing it to where you have... Like it says, just move, close, range, power, free, or double power. One thing that I like, I'm just going to give a heads up about it. I do like how they're defining how they write their sentences. So that's easier to interpret. As a language arts teacher, okay, now I understand. When you put a period here, I understand what it means. When you do this, I now know how this kind of power is going to interact. So what were your thoughts when you kind of looked over these change to, you know, the new rules language? What do you think about it? 
I, I think it's fine. Any new player jumping into it is going to have a little bit, just a little bit more to figure out. But uh, I mean, it, it's going to mean that it's going to take up less space on the cards, and hopefully, you know, the power ability card will be shorter. So I mean, I, I think I, I think that's good, and definitely, like you said, making sure all their powers and all their abilities have are worded the same way. So you're not trying to learn three different languages. You're just once you learned how it's written, you can interpret all the other powers easier. So and I think that's important they do that. I'm really happy. It seems like I mean it's kinda of a general thing about everything. It really seems like they're really putting a lot of effort into these rules. It's not just like we're gonna bump this number up one and minus this number one. They're really changing a lot of things and putting a lot of effort into trying to make, trying to make the game play better. I know. I agree with you. That's one of my biggest takeaways. When you first read this first one, they're kind of rolling it out. looks like they're making a major change to kind of streamline it, make it easier to logically understand how powers interact with themselves. That's, what, that's one of my biggest takeaways from that article is that now I know that with this power action, I can use this close action because that was very confusing because I come from a time when I'm pretty sure when I was first starting Blades Claws and Exploit Weakness worked together or we thought it worked together. That's always a confusing. No, not that. Flurry. Maybe it's Flurry. I mean, there's confusing things about how yeah. powers interact. Exactly. And, and and now with this move, you can take a move action and this creates a close. And Everything that says close can work with it. Everything yeah. that says range can work with it. And if it doesn't have it with it, then it doesn't work. You know, if you can make an attack, well, if it doesn't say close, too bad. You know, you can't you can't stack that power. And that's where you see a lot of abuse in the metagame is the ability to stack powers. Do you understand how those powers stack kind of gets kind of crazy out there? Definitely. I mean, your example of exploit weakness and blades and charge and flurry that's a, that's a very common does this work with this does that work with that kind of situation kind of going over the we you know i had those three questions we're going to ask ourselves about each article what problem do i anticipate from this change i'm going to be honest when this first came out i, I loved it i love the simplification and we've kind of seen it in some figures here lately however my biggest problem i see i anticipate is that this has to be a long-term change Okay, that's a yeah. problem I see. If 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 this is going to be, oh, in two years we're going to make another change. I, I think you're going to wear out your fan base. I mean, if you're going to make this big change, understand you're going to make it. You're ripping a huge bandaid off and trying to correct it. You don't want to open this back up again. This is one of those things where I, I, I'm expecting you to build stats around this, and I'm expecting this to level out. And and over the next three or four years, this is the way it kind of evolves, and we're going to tweak a little bit, but not major changes. As mine, what, what about you? What problem do you anticipate from this change? Well, you mentioned the future and the longevity of the, the new wording. But, I mean, talking about the past pieces, there's definitely going to be some difficulty interpreting them with the new language. You know, when something says do something, do something, does that mean close this or that, you know? They've been a, they've been a little bit loose in their wording before now. And it, there may be certain pieces, certain powers that just are just really hard to translate to the new language. And w- when you when you teach a new player the new language, when they go back to some of these old pieces, they're going to have no idea. You know, well, not no idea. It's going to be harder to figure out what they're doing. Uh, over time, it's those older pieces are going to rotate out, and it's not going to be so bad. But um, definitely in a golden age s- situation, 
You know, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see. Just just like having two different character cards, one with a dial on the back, one not with a dial on the back. You know, even that little bit of difference can 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 kind of be kind of confusing to people. You know, so you, you take you take all the powers and you change the way they're written. Definitely going to be different when you're kind of comparing them and playing them together. So. Yeah, I agree. I think I think it will hit collectors the worst because you know we keep pieces from way back, and you hate seeing your collection become useless. You've spent money. You like playing them. So I, I wonder how they're going to handle that because I think you're right. It's it's going to be hard to match up old pieces with new pieces. How are you going to handle that? I'm hoping, and we kind of look at it. I'm hoping some these sets are being planned out with this new change in mind. Do you think this is good, bad, or neutral for the game? Uh, I th- I think it's good for the game, but like you said, it really depends on how well they stick with it. You know, they have to stick with it. They can't just change it up in two years and be like, okay, here's new wording, completely new wording. No. You know, th- that's just going to make things really bad. I agree with you. I think it's good for the game. I think it it's going to be good for players to have more succinct rulings, make it easier on judges for the newer figures. And I think newer figures are going to bring in newer players. Now I'm, I'm a big proponent of, we need to grow this game. We need newer players in, you know, people who enjoy it. So I think that's good in the cleanup, but like you said, I mean, if you're willing to change it another year, then you're going to lose all the momentum you had. It's good, but you know, we will wait and see how good (laughs) that's my, that's my thought on it. You know, that's Article 1. Uh, you think we missed anything? I don't think so. I mean, I, it's just talking about wording and just how yeah. stuff's going to work and just the sentence structure. I think that's good. I think it will be good. I think it will take a while, like you said, for judges to get used to it, for players to get used to it. There'll be pushback because players don't like a lot of change. There's going to be some pushback. They don't want to learn a new system. So let's jump over to Article Number 2. It's a little bit harder Hey, while I'm pulling this up, what do you think about the new WizKid site? Um, I I think I like I like it, but I don't like how far you have to scroll down to get to the newest articles because like, you have to go through all their little fluff stuff. Like this is a cool game, you know. Look, you can do this with this no. stuff before you get to the list of actual articles. I, I think if they just had that be the home page, all the fluff stuff, and then had like a like a news like HeroClicks.com backslash news. You know, and then they have all the articles there. Then I could just bookmark that page and skip all the fluff stuff every time I want to see what's new. You know, so you don't get your. I mean, I just go to the press room page. Oh no, I just go to HeroClicks.com. If you go to the HeroClicks, the WizKids HeroClicks site, they have a press room. If you go to the press room, that's where the articles are, and it's a, a pop up there. And well, along with the previews for the Galactic, Gu- I mean, the Guardians of the Galaxy, they'll pop up there too. But. That's where I, and that's it. I, I, I mean, that's what I started finding out. I didn't realize that there was, there's a lot of stuff on the WizKid site, but you, but they've not really made it where you kind of understand where it's at. And when you go around, like what I find the other day, I found that you can go and pull up like the products and go to like the Deadpool, and at the bottom, they have all the pictures of all the figures. Oh yeah, I and noticed I, that with the turtles. Yeah, I was like, what? Now they don't have for all of them. Like it starts with Spider Man. I guess that's when they start a new website. But I'm like, oh, so that's how, and that's how, like, if I'm a post on Facebook or some, some site, I just go look at that. I get that picture. <laughs> I get that picture, and I say, I'm going to use that one because it's a great uh-huh. image. So, Oh, yeah, definitely. 
Yeah. I love taking the turtle ones and making like a collage in Photoshop with them. I have this one where uh, I've taken all the different generations of turtles and kind of had a different background because a lot of the turtle things, their images, they have like turtles on top of a building. Oh yeah. Like at the very last scene. So I've, I've put that in the background. I have like, you know, the original Mirage, the original cartoon, then IDW, then, you know, uh, Nick Turtles, and then stuff like that. So I have kind of like in a wallpaper. So it's pretty cool. I bet it is. Hey, let's go on to Article 2 is keywords. Okay. Okay. Keywords, big thing out of this. They really talked about how keywords kind of interact with theme teams, theme team benefits, and the theme team probability control. And they also brought up leadership and mastermind in this article, which I found interesting because they had a keyword kind of impact on it. So right now, Theme teams, what's going to happen is it doesn't change much. You To have a theme team, they either have to share a generic or a uh, name theme team keyword. So if you do get the name theme team keyword, then now for how many, for initiative bonus, it doesn't change. It's all plus one for every figure you have that's on a theme team, whether it's generic or name theme team. But for the theme team probability control, for every character you have of a specific name theme team, then you can get a probability control. Instead of before, it was like capped at three for 300 points. Now you can get up and the cap is now five. Yeah. To use it though, and I don't, I can't remember, I've never been good at theme team. I don't do a lot of theme team, but must have a chosen keyword in order to use the theme team probability control. Must target character other than itself. Must have zero to one action tokens and immediately after resolutions is given an action. And I believe... It says a sidebar, note that a character that has already used probability control can't also use it again in this turn because of its inherent once-per-turn restriction, which I didn't know about that. Did you know about that? I knew uh, with the current rules, if you have access to probability control in any form, you cannot use theme team probability control. Okay, I did not know that. So that meant that Atomica can't use it. Is that right? Because her yep. CSA gives her that? So wow. Exactly, yeah. And that's important to know because... As a player, I think as a player, you need to stay up on these rulings. Like, I don't know that, but now when I go to an official huge tournament where there's not a judge at every table, you have to know to be able to call on certain rulings that make huge impacts on your game. You know, and like you say, you have to call a judge over if you don't know, but, you know, you have to be kind of up on the rules. Otherwise, stuff happens. Uh, Also on here, this article talks about leadership. Now, leadership will add plus one automatically to your action total as soon as these rules go in place. And at the beginning of your turn, when you roll a die six, on a five of six, you get to remove an action token from an adjacent friendly character that's less points or shares a keyword. That's a little bit different because of the shares a keyword. And then mastermind, when this character would be hit by an opponent's attack that deals damage, you may choose an adjacent friendly character that wouldn't be hit by this attack and has less points or shares a keyword. That friendly character becomes the hit target of the attack instead, even if it's already a target or would be an illegal target. That's some changes, some big changes to Mastermind. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Big takeaway. What's your big takeaway? I'm okay with the cap to theme team probability control to five. You know, I never really had a game. Uh, I think right now it's like limited to like one per character, maximum one per 100 points. So like most of the games I play is between 300 and 500 points. The cap to five, you know, it makes perfect sense. I have no problem with that. One thing I noticed the difference was the current theme team probability control, 
if you want to use theme team probability control, you cannot have been given an, another non-free action that turn. But with the new rules, you can still like you can still be had given a, uh, a non-free action as long as you have zero or one action token. You can now use theme team probability control. So now that means you can move a piece up into position, so that when another piece goes out to attack, you can then push that one piece to use theme team probability control. So that's that's an interesting new mechanic. That it wasn't available early, otherwise. That's that's kind of nice. All right, I, I'm going to go ahead and tell you I've been playing that all wrong theme team. I'll tell you I'm off at theme team. <laughs> I never knew that. That is huge. That's a huge big difference now. You, I mean, before people were just carrying around their person that they're going to theme team prob with. Go on. I was just going to say I was going to move on to leadership and say, you know, I really like the plus one action to, to, total unique modifier. I mean, even if it's a unique modifier, it's still something guaranteed. And, you know, I was talking about earlier how I like to play Animal. You know, I may be running like eight different pieces in a 300-point team. So having that plus one means that I can attack four times and you can only attack three. And so, like, I can take this 35-point 30, Howard the Duck that's really old sit them in my starting zone just for the extra action each turn, which is really cool. And I, I think, you know, uh, leadership on a, on a lower point piece has kind of just been scoffed over in the past. Like, why do they put leadership on him? He can't take tokens off anybody. But now you're like, I want that 10-point piece with leadership. I would try to work that 10-point piece with leadership in every team I have, you know, as long as I have, like, multiple pieces to it that could attack, you know. Now you have pe- teams like Metal Men and stuff like that that, you know, have leadership built into pieces that could actually utilize it. It could give them a decent advantage over pieces like Krang or something where normally in a 300-point event you get three chances to attack it before he KOs one of your pieces, but now you get four, you know, if you have the leadership on your side. And it could make a difference. It could. And then the whole being able to remove a token from a higher point character, that's, I mean, it, it, as long as it shares the keyword, it's just amazing. Finally, Leonardo got the justice he needed because every Leonardo oh, yeah. has come out. It's like, <laughs> why give him leadership? He's the same exact points as everybody else. And they finally, you know, made it worth it. And I like that. I like it because so many times I've tried to work leadership into a team and I just roll one through four the whole game. So I know there's still luck based in there. I think it's too random to really be abused unless you have like maybe multiple different leaderships. If you have like three pieces with leadership and they're all really cheap and then one, one main attacker, maybe it could, it could be abused, but um, I, I don't think it could be abused too much. Mastermind on the other hand, because there's no randomness, randomness whatsoever i think that could start getting abused especially if like some of these pieces i was talking about equips earlier you know you find a piece with mastermind then you put an equip on it gives it impervious suddenly it's like okay i'm hitting you for two okay i'll use impervious and and just soak it all in okay i'm hitting you for five okay i'm gonna mastermind it to this this dude behind me some cases you know, you may just want the 10-point thug and just mastermind it onto the thug and kill it. But some cases, there may be a big-point dude that can just really absorb stuff really well. You know, it opens that possibility up. I don't want to spoil anything about the ruling that came out today about a new power that affects Mastermind. Mastermind doesn't have as... Mastermind lost one of its weaknesses today with the new ruling, with the new wording of a power. I, I think we could see a little bit more mastermind being played with the way it is now. 
even in this article, they balanced a little bit mastermind. If you, if you remember in this article, they also talked about, you know, you can only mastermind an attack. The ruling on poison means that mastermind can't mastermind the damage from poison because it's not, it's, it's not an attack. Now I was wondering what about the force blast? I guess that's not an attack. It's not an attack, and it doesn't deal damage either. It just knocks them back. That's actually the best way to get them two mastermind pieces away from each other. Just force blast the mastermind E away. I posted it on my Facebook. I watched an awesome match. It's a first-round match in Chico at the uh, Super Qualifier, I believe. And somebody took... Red Tornado, and had the Super Rare Green Lantern. They put the Super Rare Green Lantern's wall token underneath the figure and then moved Red Tornado up there and, oh, force, yeah. and just use that to force blast them and get that one click of damage on them. Yeah. It was against a Shredder team. That's what they did it against. Is I think it's a Shark Shredder. <laughs> it just popped. Uh. So it, it's kind of neat watching that. It's kind of shenanigans like that. It's, it's kind of interesting. I think my big takeaway from that article is I love the change to leadership. I'm with you. It was too much randomness with leadership and you're paying for it. And too many lower point figures weren't able to, you know, Captain America with a Thor, a higher point Thor now has a, has a, an ability to really keep Thor going. Just looking at mastermind. One limiting factor of mastermind was you had to have a lower point piece. The ability now to go with pieces that have more damage reducers and be able to throw that stuff on them. I know they also ruled that, you couldn't evade it. Is that right? Super senses wouldn't work on a masterminded attack. Oh, well with, with the new way it's worded when you transfer the status of being hit. So basically you're not just transferring the damage. You're transferring the status of being hit over to the, the person you're transferring it to, or the piece you're transferring it to. And when you do that, that piece is considered hit. So they don't get to use any powers that could allow them to evade at that point. They can't use shape change. They can't use anything that does evasion, right? So it's just pretty much you're hit. You can reduce, yeah. but you can't do anything else. And that's the one limitation I forgot to mention was, you know, if you do something like, let's say you have two targets and you target both the mastermind person and the mastermind E, I guess, the person they're going to transfer the stuff to with the new word in the mastermind, they can't choose someone else that would also be that would also is a target of the same attack to transfer the damage to. So as long as you have like a second target lightning bolt, you can target both of them. Well, I guess you'd have to hit the other person too with the roll. But then at that point, you know, you can just say, I'm gonna want all the damage to go to the mastermind person. And you've hit them both, so he can't transfer the damage to the other dude, but then all the damage is going to the mastermind. So there are weaknesses now, you know, especially, you know, if you use energy explosion or have a second target. But um, I definitely think it's a lot stronger now. Oh, yeah, I, th- I think so, too. And, it, and we'll have to see it play out. I think I would like to see how this all plays out and not see some teams get built around leadership and mastermind. Before, it was kind of throw-ons. And yeah. the last team I know that's built around mastermind was the old LAMP teams. With the Joker and the Lockjaw and the armor piercing and just surrounding you. And those are crazy teams anyway. So I'd like to see what happens with this. Do you see, anticipate any problems with it? 
I think as with all of these, there's going to be a little bit of time where people are going to remember how they used to happen. You know, they're going to like, oh, you know, I forgot it does this now. And I think of of the ones that are like that, probably the theme team probability control is probably going to cause the most issues. Because even now it's like, can I use theme team probability control? If I'm attacking, or if one of my pieces is attacking, can that same piece also use theme team probability control? There, there's, there's, there's some questions against that are still confusing people now with it. And when they change it to characters can be given an action before they use theme team probability control, it's definitely going to, I think, make it a little bit more tricky. You know, oh, yeah. suddenly, you know, but that person moved a second ago. Yeah, but under the new wording, they can do something before that. And now also with the new wording, even if you have access to probability control, you can still use theme team probability control if you haven't used your other version yet. Okay. So like certain characters, like let's say, I know there's certain characters that have probability control, but they can only use it on opposing characters or they can only use it on themselves. So it's like a limited form of it. Mm-hmm. Under the current rules, they still wouldn't be able to use theme team probability control because they still have access to probability control. With the new rules, say they can only prob themselves and then someone attacks them, they can choose to use the theme team probability control they wouldn't be able to use their own anyways. So, um, okay. That's where I think there could be a little bit of confusion. Oh, that, so. I'd get, I, that would get a little confusing to me. It's probably better. I mean, I, I'll be honest. I, I can understand theme team prob now because I've never really kind of delved into it. So they didn't bring these article out so has helped me. And I, I'm with you. I think the problem is going to be in this transition time, especially with some of these newer rulings. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say this is, to me, it's kind of – I think good, and what throws it to good is the capping of five theme teams. But if you can put five people on there that have a uh, name keyword, then you can get all five of them, even in a 300-point game. I think that's good for the game. And I think leadership's good. Mastermind, I'm going to have to play out because, you know what, it's just not a power I play a lot. To me, it's more of a neutral to me. So I think leadership, I think that makes this a good ruling right now, a good change. What about you? Definitely. I, I'm happy to see any power that really wasn't being utilized get improved. So I'm happy to see Mastermind being improved, and uh, I'm happy to see leadership being improved. Like you said, they they, were, they haven't really been built around in a while. They're more just tacked on. Oh, this piece has leadership. Nice, you know. It's it's never been okay. I need to include a leadership piece in my team. So I, I'm happy with the improvements with everything in this article. Yeah, I remember always thinking. Oh, man. Why'd you put leadership on the front end of this piece? <laughs> I mean, he's just a waste of points. I'd, I'd rather have the piece without leadership. So, yeah, yeah. Them, them putting it back in there, it's great. And I'm with you. I play other games, and when you can have more actions than another player, you start building an advantage on them. So the ability to have an automatic four actions compared to somebody's three, it starts to really add up, especially now that we're adding pieces that have where this does not count against your action total. I was going to mention the same exact thing, like Devil Dinosaurs, his little pogs he generates, how they can move oh, yeah. and it doesn't count towards your action total. Suddenly you can move three of those guys out and attack with four pieces. That's a lot to do in one turn. What was it? I thought there was a new pog that came out, maybe in the Deadpool set, that it's action, not just move action, but it's action doesn't count against your action total. What was I thinking about that? That was, um, 
Maybe Squirrel Girls Squirrels, maybe? Oh, know. that is it. It is Squirrel Girls Squirrels. They Their actions don't count against you. Her little army that she can generate, and I used her the other day, she can generate them a decent amount. I think yeah. somebody mentioned that you get too caught up in trying to put three on her to give her that plus one, whereas she can generate them as a new pog army, and they're just annoying, and they can get in people's ways. As I said, I think it's good. I think this was some good changes. Uh, so our next article is going to be timing and the fact that I really thought this is something that they should have done a long time ago is the thing I worried most when I went to WKO. It's like the order of actions, the phases of games. It, it got me right back to think about Magic the Gathering with the instants, interrupts, and you having to go through that whole process of, you know, uh, when you're tapping, untapping, it's crazy stuff like that. In this article, they they kind of clarify where our rule of action timing is. Now they have four clear phases. It's the beginning of turn phase, an action phase, an end of turn phase, and a clear phase. And in it, you can only do certain things. I don't want to go reading through everything because I know some of these people have read these. And I know you did a great job posting that on Facebook, some of this stuff. But the big thing is that actions can only occur in the action phase. Only effects that say at the beginning of your turn can go in the beginning of turn phase. End of turn phase is when you tr- trigger to f- at the end of your turn effects. And then the last one is clearing your actions, I believe. Yeah, your clear phase. So they kind of went into, and this is a big thing, and I think this is huge impact, is that poison is a beginning of the turn action and sidestep is now moved into an action phase. And outwit is part of the action phase because all your free actions and all that. So now the beginning of turn outwit poison, the sidestep poison is now illegal or doesn't work. So what are your big takeaways about this? Well, I, I think poison, again, a lot like mastermind, falls into this category of powers who in the past just haven't been utilized very much. And I mean, I remember my the most I've ever used poison was with the Red Lanterns from Warlight because they had this penetrating poison. So you would just base someone with a bunch of them, and regardless if they had any damage reducers, it just goes straight through them. But other than that, you know, I've never really been able to get poison to work very well. Other than like there was this glowy green dude and Civil War Radiation Man. Oh he, yeah, he had like a, a sidestep poison type thing. And I was able to get that to work a little bit. So to me, poison wasn't utilized very much as it is. But the the way it was able to work well was with the poison, outwit poison, sidestep poison combos. And I understand they're they're doing this whole phase thing to make it more simplified. But at the same exact time, like it really just made poison a lot worse, you know, because you literally cannot get. Get the poison dude next to someone before it goes off. No way to do it. So you have to run up and base someone and just hope they stay there during their whole turn or can't get away or something. And then, you know, then you can try to get poison up. It's hard enough anyways with poison because toughness ignores it and vulnerability ignores it. Impervious ignores it. Spoiler upcoming. The new invincible ignores it. Doesn't ignore it, just reduces it. Unless they have combat reflexes, super senses, or energy shield deflection, or something like that. So I think Poison was pretty weak, and with with these changes, it's just going to go sit in the corner with Leap Climb, and just probably never get picked for kickball ever again. I I, I agree. Leap Climb is a power you don't see much of, 
at all. And I, I agree with you on poison. I have I have trouble getting it to work. Poison kind of works against swarm armies. And the only figure right now I think that has a special poison that could become dangerous and might work in the current meta is Major Force. Is that him from World's Finest? Where he has yeah. the as he gets down and clicks, his poison increases the distance. Okay, yeah, yeah. You remember that? Because if he's on click four, his poison is actually penetrating and can go out four squares. So he mm. becomes this radiation bomb. So I can see that. And they're going to have to do something with poison. I think either that or remove it from the PAC. I, 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 it's just not a viable power without some kind of power. Maybe you give it something or give it some equipment like you know what helped poison out more, and it's what created the lamp teams. Is was the uh, what else called? Yeah, the feet. The feet made it work. The uh, what was that feet called? I just mentioned it. Oh my gosh, toxic blasts or something. Oh no, it wasn't the toxic blasts. It's the one that made your damage penetrating. I forget. Anyway, there used to be a feat that you could slap it on a joker with poison, and it made the one damage penetrating. I think they're going to have to come out with something like that that brings the power back. But you hate to do that with a resource. We'll have to kind of play it out. I know a lot of people have complained about it. And, you know, WizKids has even said, I saw an interview where they said, we understand poison. We're going to have to go back. We're going to have to look at it. Yeah. We nerfed it. We didn't, you know, we're going to have to see what kind of impact that has. We'll have to see how they kind of work with it. I think I think the easiest change, and I know there's been some people online saying, don't do it. It'd be too overpowered. But just make poison a free action you know then someone could walk up and then activate poison i mean like i said there's still going to be toughness all the damage reducers are going to completely ignore it maybe have it like a character that's been affected by poison this turn is immune to other doses of poison so you could at most get one damage from so you can't like send five people to tie up a dude and go free action free action free action free action free action take five damage but at least if you made it a free action, that would give it so much more mobility. I think that would bring it bring it back in scale. Yeah, I kind of like that. I like that as a free action. All right, good for the game, bad for the game, neutral. What are you thinking? The timing thing yes. is good, but the change to poison isn't good. So I'm going to say neutral overall. I might have to say neutral too. I think it clears up some stuff. I love that, that they're just officially coming out with timing. It's very clear. It's not as muddy as it was before. But the, the nerf to poison really hurts because that, that hurts a lot of figures in which poison is important. And we've seen a lot of toughness out there. I mean, Frogman has toughness. You can't yeah. poison him. And you don't want it to go the way of Leap Climb. I mean, that's one of the most underutilized powers. But I will tell you, there's, there's one game in which Leap Climb actually won the game for me. I had Ultimate's Hulk on his six damage click. And on an elevated train was a KC Green Lantern. Hulk, Hulk jumped up there and just decimated him. I don't want poison to go that way. You know, I want poison to be viable strategy. So I agree with you. It's going to be a neutral, but they're going to have to do something with poison in order this to be a positive impact on the game. So we got that article done. We're now up to number four as a free action. This is the rules where they went over the how your actions kind of interact with each other. They have the chart there where your current action total decreases by one. Given action token immediately after resolutions can only activate while having zero or one action tokens can only activate during action phase with nothing with nothing is resolving can activate 
if already given a costed action this turn, connection may activate more than once per turn. And this is where I f- you can't activate can't activate more than once per turn. The exact same action activating the same way by the same character. Yeah, that's where like you know if you have, let's say you have probability control given to, to you through a possession. Right. And, and then you have probability control given to you through a team ability like CSA. Okay. You know, you wouldn't be able to use both of them. You know, you'd have to choose one of them. And I think that's that's where the whole you can't use the same action twice is. But for free actions, you know, you, you still wouldn't be able to use outwit twice or perplex twice, but you can still use perplex, outwit, pro, or probs not even an action at the mo- Yeah. But you still use perplex, sidestep, and outwit all the same turn. You just wouldn't be able to use it twice. I know there's certain pieces. It's weird. I've noticed certain pieces. They have like sidestep and then they have access to sidestep again, but they can't use both of them. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm starting to understand. Yeah. This is where I probably got confused and this is what's going to take some time of, of, you know, like people reading them and kind of understanding. So, I mean, that's just really them going over how the actions interact across those uh, kind of statements there when you can activate them, when you can't. Uh, what's your biggest takeaway about this? You got a big takeaway on this a little article they did? Well, to me, it just really seemed like a way to break things down, make it clear how things work. I think it's very similar to what we have now. It's just more written out. So you know if it says, as a free action, this is how it works. Or if it says, for free, this is how it works. I, I, honest, I, I still think they need to maybe simplify that a little bit better or use different terminology if there's two different ways of doing it because there's free actions that can now only be done during the action turn or the action phase. Right. But they also have stuff that says as for, or for free that, that isn't an action. That's what this article was about. Just like saying when, when you see free, as a free action or for free and stuff like that. So if, if like if somebody said at the beginning of your turn, you can give Catman a, a move action at half speed for free. Then he could do that because, I mean, one, it says at the beginning of the turn, but it says for free too. So it's not even a free action. It's not even an action at that point. I think this article is just kind of basically just summing it up, the differences. When they came out this article and I saw that chart, it just was like they were throwing something out there, trying to get it out there for us. And I would actually expect to see it in a rule book. Good, bad, neutral. What are you thinking? I mean, I'm going to use you as a guinea pig and say, I don't think this article is going to do much help to people. I think it may confuse them even more. I mean, I'm just looking at something down the line, and they're like, as free is different than at no cost, which is different than free colon. And it's just like, that's going to confuse people. You know, like, I, I kind of like the idea of just saying, you know, as a free action, you can do this. As, as a free action, you can do this. At no cost, that's a totally different new phrase that's going to be able to go, have people going, is this a free action, though? You know, this is at no cost. Oh, but this is as free, free in capital letters, which means, you know, it's the closest to the original meaning as a free action. I feel like they probably didn't need to make this article. Here's where I worry about because, you know, after talking with you and kind of looking at it a little bit better where I understand a little bit better, it's almost like they're leaving themselves a little opening where they can have some 
weird kind of synergy, weird combos that will kind of still kind of go off. And it kind of goes away from the simplification of the game. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, now you can do this. And since this is a different type of action, you can also do this. And yeah. that, way, that way you can do two things. Like you can do sidestep twice. So I, I don't see a piece being able to do that. But it's like this weird synergy thing. It's going to cause a lot of confusion with players. You, you, you're taking away from the simplification where you did, where you said, okay, it's power, move, close. And now you're throwing something else out there that's kind of, okay, now, we, now we're now we going to have to break out our abacus and try to figure out how these interact. <laughs> especially, especially when you start including like the Green Lantern battery, it says you know each each character can only be given one free action a turn. You know, taking older pieces like that and applying it to the new rules. Well, at no cost is that a free action when um, you're comparing it to the old stuff. You know, like it, it's I don't even understand why they would create new a new way to describe something like this. I mean, if they're just gonna call it free in capital letters, just have that be. Every instance of something where you can do it without taking a token. If you're not getting a token, it's free. Just don't don't even include the at no cost or any of this stuff. Just say it's free. And you know what? This what's interesting is that this kind of complicates. This is one of those articles that complicated me again on these new rulings. And then it's just like this next article we can get to. All of a sudden, they tried to then once again simplify everything. And this is rule. This is our fifth article that came out without you outwit use and possess. Mm-hmm. And if you and if you know in that remember in that article, they pretty much took out use and possess out which just like can't be used in the article. It is minimum range, choose a power standard or special in a target opposing character within range and line of fire. The target can't use the chosen power until your next turn. Yeah. So they pretty much simplified that if you can use the power, outwit can take it from you. No question, which then yeah. brings traits into play that give you powers, which brings exactly. in powers that Jakeem Thunder can choose and he doesn't have on his dial, but he, hey, maybe he wants to choose hypersonic. You're not going to choose hypersonic. The The discrepancy with Nick Fury, if you remember, was that he had that can't use power. Yeah. <laughs> you know, now that's outwit is can't use. Yeah. So now Nick Fury has normal outwit that everybody has. And actually his outwit goes up, but his but his power base goes down a little bit because a normal, I don't know our lowest point outwitter, but he has that access that Nick Fury did, which is kind of crazy. And now they have the protected outwit. So like protected. So if you have something that's protected, it'll say protected colon outwit. And that's how yeah. it will let you know that, oh, they can't outwit your stuff. That protected colon, if you have it on your powers, protected from whatever. If you're protected pulse wave, pulse wave can't really hurt you now. Yeah. It can't damage you. It's kind of interesting. They're, in this, they're simplifying some very weird powers. I won't say weird, but they're simplifying some stuff. So we're coming off an article that's kind of confusing. This one's pretty straightforward. If you if it's a power on that on the power and abilities card, you can take it away, whether or not they have it on their dial or not. What's your big takeaway from this article? With the Orange Lantern battery and Nick Fury, I've always felt the can't use was way too powerful because, you know, it, it had no reach. You know, it it was exactly like that. It was, it doesn't matter if it says it can't be countered or it doesn't matter if it says it can't be ignored. You could still say you can't use that. It doesn't matter if you had quintessence or power cosmic. They could still say you can't use that. And I always felt that was too strong. 
I kind of liked how it was now where you had to have it. You, you, you actually had to have it on your dial, but I can understand with there being possession and special objects and resources and relics, um, just so many different things and traits too. Um, there's so many ways to get powers on top of powers on top of powers. And I can understand the need to just have can't use. And I think in a way it does simplify things because there's no longer this, well, does it say they can't use something they possess? Or, you know, like one of my friends, he would always ask me like, well, does this mean I possess this power or if I can just can use? Because that was the big difference between if you could outwit it or not. If they possessed it, you could outwit it. If they just could use it, you couldn't outwit it. So now it's just, it's it's much more simplified. You just choose a power say, I don't want you using you know hypersonic speed it doesn't matter if you have hypersonic speed now it doesn't matter if you have hypersonic speed after i attack and damage you it doesn't matter if you choose hypersonic with jakeem thunder you can't use that power you know and i think that's a a simpler way of looking at it it is really powerful though like you said you know traits to give access to like super senses you just say you can't use super senses and that whole trait is useless and what's interesting is um, it, it kind of takes away a randomness of the game. I, I've had this happen before where I've like outwitted somebody's impervious and I've hit them for like two damage and then they bounce on an invulnerability and I'm like, well, dang, you know, I should have right. waited to use outwit. They now have a new damage reducer, all that kind of stuff. You know, you don't know if they're going to stay on that power because the current thing is if you if you outwit an impervious hit them for two and they're still on impervious it's still outwitted but if they bounce on invulnerability then they have invulnerability now you know with the new can't use type thing i can say can't use impervious and then i can hit them for two damage and if they bounce on invulnerability okay whatever i'm gonna pink them for one if they go back on to impervious they still can't use impervious gone for the entire turn till your next turn so i i i think it's simplified but it is stronger well i I think it did give a bump and i I call this the batman bump i mean this this brings batman back up to a power level you know most batman have outwit or have the ability to access it and i remember in the day batman was the outwitter he was the guy that could just take stuff away his stealth outwit i think that brings that back up in power level that's my big takeaway. I think I think out we got a big bump, and you're going to have some figures back in previous sets that all of a sudden come a lot more powerful. Some golden yeah. age figures. I mean, I'm thinking that Red Tornado is 90 points, and she has that free force blast, but she also starts without wit and three damage, mm. and she is now a sidestep and TK and willpower. That that's a powerful piece at 90 points. Now she's going to have a lot of impact on the game, especially with what's running around out there. So. I, I think that was uh, – this is a huge power bump. You think there's going to be some issues with this? Well, I mean, I think because it's so simplified, you no, you no longer have to worry about possess or, you know, uh, possess or use or any of that kind of stuff. I, I As long as people, you know, know the new wording of it, I, I, I'm not saying people will be happy with how it plays in the game – but I think there probably will be less issues with it. I mean, the one thing that may trip people up is now you cannot outwit combat abilities. So you can't outwit flight or sharpshooter or giant size, you know, which you could currently, 
And the only way you can get past Indomitable is because you could say you can't use willpower. Right. So, I mean, I think in, in a way there may be a little bit of confusion there, but I think overall it's, it's, it's probably an easier power to understand, especially for a new player. You just say you can't use it. There's none of this, well, I, I, I can use this power from a resource so you can't outwit it. No, no, you just can't use the power. So I think in that way it, it's going to be easier to implement. If it's healthy for the game, I don't know. It's more of a positive change in my opinion. I think right now that's going to be one of those powers that they're going to have that rotation is going to have to help when we talk about a modern game because you're just going to have some overpowered outwit figures right now. Yeah, definitely. And, and the cost of it's going to have to kind of reflect it. However, I like it. The ability, I think it brings a lot of strategy because it kind of reminds me. I'm going to give a comic book flavor to it. It does remind me of Batman's his plans that he makes up. You know, he's going to take something away from you doesn't matter when you're going to access it. He's going to take this away from you. So I kind of kind of take it as that. You know, I think it makes a huge counter to the Jakeem Thunders. That that Super Scroll type character who was able to avoid Outwit because you never knew what power they was going to select and their ability to kind of get around some stuff. So I think it I think I I think it's good for the game. I think it's going to have to play out. And they're going to have to be very consistent with it. What kind of characters can get it? If they're giving it out to everybody, then the game's going to get kind of ruined, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, you're totally right. They're going to have to definitely recost it in future dolls. And I could definitely see how, you know, I mean, in the past, I've had multiple pieces with Outwit and been like, well, eh, Outwit, your attack power, and it really isn't much to Outwit. But, you know, like you mentioned the Chakim Thunder. Now you can be like, now you, you put your dude next to him with, like, uh, plasticity and lock him down. And you can say, you can't choose hypersonic speed. You can't choose phasing teleport. I mean, if you had three different outwit pieces, you could choose, you know, you could choose the counters and then he would just wouldn't be able to get away, you know? Oh, so, yeah. I think you can, I mean, if you had more outwit pieces, you could probably lock someone down, you know, just be like, you know, you can't use this, you can't use this, you can't use this. And they're like, well, dang, I can't do anything with it now, you know? Yeah, you know who really got powerful, don't you? Who's that? Supreme Intelligence. You know, people oh. don't play that, but I mean, he has ability to do three outwits. I mean, I know he's oh, two hundred. Really? Oh, yeah, he's two hundred fifty wow. points, but he can use outwit, and then he can use it twice more. So, so that, and he has fifteen range. Wow! You never played that supreme intelligence piece? That is crazy no. piece. I played him the other day, and I mean, he did. He can do. He can damage a character mm-hmm. anywhere on the map. Wow! But, it, but he can only do three damage until they get within fifteen squares, and once they're in fifteen squares. He can do his full damage. Now he can he plays at he can play at eight hundred, but you play him at two fifty. But his outwit will now become big. And I thought there was some new piece that came out that has the ability to do outwit twice, and that would be an interesting piece. The ability to put a piece on the field as it can take two powers away from somebody, especially a one man army. That's huge against one man army. That's that's big against oh Jakeem yeah Thunder. Oh yeah, I, I think Jakeem Thunder the ability to, like you said lock him down with two outwit pieces. And he's going to struggle because he, he his options because he he's strong because he has all these options and his ability to access a eclipso and kind of keep himself around the ability to take that away kind of limits him. But anyway, I think it's I think it's one of those powers we're just going to have to. I think it's good, simplified, but you're just going to have to watch it because it could get abusive. And if it gets abusive, it can make the t- it can make the game kind of unfun. So you know we can move on to the object rulings. They have some big things they did in here with the objects. And, you know, a lot of people are complaining about it, but there's one thing in here that I thought we need to bring up, 
is that they added the ability that characters can pick up and put down objects. I think it's huge. The ability to pick up and put down an object, you know, before you couldn't, unless you got your super strength outwitted or anything like that. And now they say that they're getting rid of the ultra heavies as part of the ruling. They're getting yep. rid of the, um, they're getting rid of the ultra lights. You can only have white or red. Uh, the red ones can only be picked up with people by super strength and the yellow ones can be picked up by anybody. And just like before, red gives two, yellow gives one, and the red objects are the only one that can give you access to hindering train, but you have to be sitting on the, the red object and be hiding. Though it's automatic, you can't just be behind it. You have to be sitting yeah. on the red object. They also, in this article, talks about to give super strength some boost back, it now generates knockback. Mm-hmm. Just like Force Blast. So when you hit somebody, you knock them back. So what's your big takeaways on this? Uh, the loss of ultra heavies, all this stuff. What are you thinking? Well, I think the whole ultra heavy, ultra light thing was a really interesting experimentation, that which which turned out good and turned out bad. I, I didn't see anybody using ultra lights for like anything. You, know, you couldn't hide on them. You know, anybody could pick them up, but the only thing you could do with it was throw it for one damage. I just I never saw them used. While ultra heavies, I mean, if you were, I mean, you definitely ran them if you had any pieces with super strength over a hundred points. You 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 had to run them, you know. And for the right. longest time, I didn't have access to them because they only printed them in certain starter sets, and I really felt kind of limited because I, I didn't have access to the plus three object. I can understand where ultra heavy was too powerful and ultra light wasn't powerful enough. So it's just, it's simpler to just go, okay, now they're just special objects in golden age and we don't have to worry about them in modern age whatsoever. And I I think maybe that's a good way to handle it. Um, So that's how I feel about that. Um, Anybody can pick up a light object makes perfect sense to me. I've been asking for it since probably, let's see, um, I said I started in 2009, probably 2010, because uh, it, when Brave and the Bold came out, they had a collection of light object lanterns, oh, and yeah. they, were, they were all light objects, but at the moment, only people with super strength could pick them up, so you could never have like the lanterns themselves pick up their own lantern, you know, and oh, that just never crazy. made any sense to me, um, but so now anybody can pick up a light object, so... I would like to see the, you know, I really like the new special objects that you can equip and get a bonus. I want to see the return of special objects that have an effect on the field. You know, like, I remember in the past there were special objects that said, like, characters within four squares of this object cannot use fly. Or, you know, stuff like that. And now that anybody could pick up a light object, I could suddenly have my dude carry this light object into the middle of the battlefield and and say you can't heal up any. And I think that would be really cool strategy to bring back into the game now that anybody can pick up a light object. And they also rule in here, you know, now you're not treating objects as hindering terrain. So now you you can't use them as choke points. I'll exactly. go back to w- I take go back to WKO. Eric did a great job with on the WizKids office and he choked me up knowing I had a bunch of uh flightless people he put some yep. choke points with those hindered train and knew i'd have to stop on them yep. so now that wouldn't have worked going forward mm-hmm. so 
uh, just kind of looking at it, it's kind of neat. One of the most abused special objects was that, I think, was it inertial field dampener? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the one that you had the double barrier team and you yep. could destroy that. You know, you go you go huddle with a hypersonic character in the corner, have that inertial dampener field, and then the barriers you put up are undestroyable. <laughs> and you just, you have one character put them up. When they come down, your hypersonic guy goes out, hits, comes back, put the other barrier up. They they, they just have to balance it. But I, I kind of like the ruling. Uh, I'll jump kind of ahead. A lot of people don't. Some people don't like the ability for everybody to pick up a light object, but I kind of like now that Flash has the ability to up his damage. I like the ability that they're not choke points. And I, I love the ability that they can be picked up and dropped, that you can put them down. You know, I think that's going to be an important strategy part to move some objects around. So I kind of like that. I didn't. I never liked that you picked up an object and you were stuck with it the entire time. You can currently pick them up and drop them with the current rules. Oh, you can? I guess. Yeah, but uh, it was, I think they changed that uh, probably in the 2014 rules. Um, so it wasn't like that for a long time, and you could only just pick them up, and that's all you could do with them. And like you said, the only way to drop them was if you got outwitted or you landed off of super strength. Um, but yeah, being able to pick up and, and drop objects, now that anybody can pick up light object, is uh, is a big difference. It is. Um so what do you think about the knockback with super strength? Since super strength got depowered a little bit in this one, what do you think about the knockback? Um, I think it's interesting, but it might be counterproductive. You know, if if you, I, I don't know if it says uh, you may knock back, not knock them back. I thought they talked about it. It was a may. Yeah, yeah. It does say you you'll always get the choice whether to knock them back or not. I mean, like you said, I mean, have that Green Lantern put down the barrier. Come in, charge in with an object, hit them for plus two damage with a heavy, and then knock them into the wall. I mean, that's that's it's it's going to be useful definitely. And I like I like that because you don't see a lot of board manipulation anymore. You you know, knockback. I mean, uh, force blast is a power that's really cool, but you just don't see people utilizing as much. And you may see a little bit of knockback here if you roll doubles or roll there, that kind of stuff. But I really, I, I really think the whole manipulation of the board, knocking them off at elevated, knocking them into walls, is a really important aspect of the battle that hopefully, you know, with Super Strength doing this now, uh, hopefully will uh, happen more often. And I think it'd be good for the game for it to do it. Now, think about the option. Jakeem Thunder likes to run with Bizarro Green Arrow. Now you can charge in with a super strength guy, hit Bizarro, hit uh, Jakeem Thunder, and knock him back Yeah, away from Bizarro Green Arrow, which then sets up your range piece. Or do it the opposite way. You hit Bizarro Green Arrow uh-huh. and knock him back away from Jakeem and then come in with your range piece to get Jakeem. Using that to break up formations. I'm with you. I love to break up formations. You know, it causes people trouble. You can do little shenanigans with it. So... What do you think? Uh, positive, neutral, or bad for the game? I like the simplification of just being heavy in light objects. I like the knockback. I think the hiding effect will be interesting, but it probably won't hurt too much. So I think it's an overall positive article. For a stealth team, I'm probably going to start thinking about theme because now my ability to control hindering is really going to be limited to the map. Yeah, exactly. I can't, 
I can't bring three extra pieces of hindering train. My hindering train is now set on the map. And as a and and to actually bring some hindering train to help me, I'm gonna have to lay out some heavy objects. And against certain teams, that's gonna be bad. Or so, brings or bring a character just for smoke cloud. Oh, there you go. Bring smoke cloud back up. This now smoke cloud becomes more important on maps because now it's the only it's a way to create hindering train. I mean, there this could be a boost. You know, you might see that. I love when players start thinking about. Oh wow, well, I got boosted. Uh, let's think. Storm free smoke yes. cloud. Who is it? I think there's somebody that as they move, they can put up smoke clouds at Deadpool. Yeah, it's Deadpool, the uh, the 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 Modoc one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think it does. It makes smoke cloud more viable to control hindering train on the map, which you might need with a stealth team. And we're starting to see an absence of Superman team, I think, where you can see through hindering. And what's interesting is if more people are sitting in regular stand uh regular hindering terrain then you can see more effects like tippy toe like koi boy that say you know if they're sitting in hindering terrain you can pink them for one damage or you can uh lock them in place and they have to break away from you you know so i think you know giving smoke cloud a little bit more strength and um you know given given the ability to more more likely predict that people are going to be imprinted hindering terrain is two good things for the game. So, And that's, that's something about these rules, what you don't realize, is that they're impacting more than just the power itself. You know, yeah, you know what they're ruling here has an impact, but there's a trickle kind of effect that I think it takes a while to kind of, once you start playing games, you'll start realizing, oh, okay, this is how the game has changed. Now this is the new kind of understanding of how maps kind of kind of work, how this new power is going to work with this interaction of a power that got changed that had nothing to do with the other power. I, I think it's good. I'm with you. I can't wait to play it and see how this kind of works. I think that's an easy implementation. That's one of those rules that they put in. I'm like, okay, that's just easy. Thank you for listening to HeroClicks Borderlands. Please email your comments and questions to lostinclicks at gmail.com. That is L-O-S-T-I-N-C-L-I-X at gmail.com. Or contact me on HC Realms under the ID of Colossus TN. Like our Facebook page, you can search on Facebook by typing in at HeroClicks Borderlands, all one word. Please rate and review the podcast under iTunes. Love to hear your new WKO ideas and teams. And next week, we should have a normal-sized episode. Hope you enjoyed our giant-sized episode where we discussed the rules. Thank you. And remember, always keep rolling double sixes.